You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 50. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and welcome to episode 50. I am so excited to bring you another incredible interview today. Today's guest is an expert on how small business owners like you and me can benefit from the CARES Act that was recently passed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. CARES stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, and this is something that all business owners, freelancers, and solopreneurs should be educating themselves on. But first, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then welcome. I am Monica Louie. I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed $2 million in ad spend and served more than 800 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And last week, I hinted that I'd be sharing about a brand new program, and my team and I are so excited about it. If you know that Facebook ads are the right next step for your business, but you're not quite ready for ongoing ads management, my team and I are rolling out a brand new program that I can't wait to share with you. So stay tuned after the interview in today's episode because I'll be sharing all the details with you. Now, while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I love to bring you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. I'm so excited to share with you my interview with Jerry Detweiler. Jerry is a leading nationally recognized financing and credit expert with more than 20 years of experience. During the 2008-2009 financial crisis, Jerry was interviewed hundreds of times providing insightful expertise and actionable advice for traversing the turbulent landscape and unknown change. Today, she serves as an education director for NAV, the trusted financing partner for over 1.2 million businesses, where she gives NAV's customers certainty in an uncertain world through her expertise and actionable advice. And Jerry and the team at NAV have been leading the way in helping small businesses understand how the CARES Act can help keep businesses going during this unprecedented time. The CARES Act was passed by Congress and signed by the president into law on Friday, March 27th. And since then, business owners and banks have been looking to understand and implement the programs it created. So as I mentioned, CARES stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. It's an 800-plus page document of legislation with the goal of providing emergency assistance and healthcare response for individuals, families, and businesses affected by the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. So this is an important topic, and it's very likely that at least one of the programs Jerry and I talk about today may apply to you and your business. And even if you're a sole proprietor, freelancer, or independent contractor, 
In this episode, you'll learn which programs may be available to you for financial assistance during this time. And we cover so much in this episode, including how your business may secure up to $10,000 in fast cash from the Small Business Association without having to pay it back, the differences between the IDLE and the PPP programs, including how to know if your business may qualify for these programs and how much you may be able to obtain, the conflicting guidance on whether you can include what you've paid independent contractors in your loan calculation or not, and where the Treasury Department has landed today. This has been an ongoing source of confusion for many business owners I know, including me. So we are setting the record straight in this interview. Plus, we talk about how long you have to take advantage of these programs, but why you may want to act fast, and the reason why the government is facilitating these programs that will give many qualifying businesses loans that may be 100% forgiven, which is essentially free money. And we cover so much more in this very powerful interview. As of this recording, the government has set aside more than $349 billion in aid for small businesses through these programs. So I want to make sure that you're educated on what might be available for you and your business. So whether you call yourself a freelancer, an independent contractor, sole proprietor, LLC, or a corporation, if your business has been affected in any way by the COVID-19 pandemic, then you need to pay attention to this. And this is relevant for all small businesses, whether they're primarily online like mine or local businesses like restaurants, nail salons, and retail shops, or somewhere in between. So I encourage you to share this episode, not only with your online business friends, but also the local businesses who serve you in your area. And while we don't touch base on it during the interview, I do want to make sure you know that taxpayers, whether you're a business owner or not, will be receiving economic impact payments beginning this month, April, 2020. And these payments will be sent to taxpayers automatically. And I believe that people are already beginning to receive them this week. According to irs.gov, U.S. residents will receive the economic impact payment of $1,200 for individual or head of household filers and $2,400 for married filing jointly with adjusted gross income up to $75,000 for individuals, $112,500 for head of household filers, and up to $150,000 for married couples filing joint returns. Plus, if you have kids like me, an additional $500 for each qualifying child. All right. So I just want to make sure that you knew that. Let's dive into the interview with Jerry Detweiler. And as always, we have a lot of resources that we're going to be mentioning in this interview today. You can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 50. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 50. All right, here's my interview with Jerry Detweiler from nav.com. Hey, Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. I'm so excited for our conversation. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Monica. Glad to be here. So can you please let everybody know who you are and what you do, what your specialty is? Yeah, I'm known as a credit expert. I've been in the credit field for a very, very long time. I uh, started my career in DC, worked on the legislation that gave consumers free credit reports and the legislation that tells you what your credit card interest rate is before you actually get it in the mail. So I've been around this area for uh, many years and, and more recently shifted to small business, which of course has a lot of overlap with consumer because 
small business owners or consumers too. But there I focus on small business financing, which interestingly enough, does not have the same protections as consumer credit. So I get to, I get to see it from both sides. Well, that's interesting. And um, the company you're with is NAV, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about NAV? Sure. So the easiest way to think about NAV is that we're like Credit Karma, but for small business. So we're known as the first company to give business owners free business credit reports and information as well as personal credit. And then we help match them to financing. And more recently, we're talking now, it's April 10th, uh, 2020. More recently, we've really shifted our focus to help business owners understand and uh, take advantage of the uh, the COVID relief loans that are available through the federal government through a, a variety of programs. Yes. And that is definitely what I want to talk about today. Uh, so with your extensive knowledge, I mean, you're the perfect person to talk about this. So can you just, you know, let's start from the beginning. Can you just explain what the CARES Act is? Because I know um, I've been following along, but for those who aren't aware, what is the CARES Act and then how does that affect small business owners? Sure. So I just want to emphasize that I am a, a, an educator. I'm not an attorney, financial advisor, or tax professional. And so I can't give that kind of advice. And I also want to emphasize that today is April 10th. And if someone's listening to this podcast, even April 11th or 12th or 13th, things may have changed. This is changing so rapidly that literally day by day, we're updating new resources as new guidance comes out. But I want to provide the most up-to-date information and then you know encourage anyone who's thinking about these programs to make sure they're checking for the latest. But the CARES Act is legislation that was signed by the president, what was it, March 27th? It feels like two years ago now, but it was two weeks ago. And it does uh, a number of things, uh, provides a number of different types of assistance. But for those who have their own businesses, uh, a couple of the key things it does is uh, provide for expanded unemployment insurance. And then it also provides these new loans called the Paycheck Protection Program Loans, PPPL loans. And then finally, it built on an existing loan program, the disaster loan program, and introduced a new element to that loan program where if someone applies for the economic injury disaster loan, they are eligible to receive up to a $10,000 advance or grant that doesn't have to be repaid. So there is a there are several different provisions there. There are also some tax provisions related to payroll tax credits. That's not really my area of expertise. I'm focused mainly on the lending options, but those two options alone um, can be very helpful to many small business owners. Okay, wonderful. So I'd love to take them one by one. So the disaster loan, can you? That's the one that's up to ten thousand dollars. So can you explain who would be qualified for that? And I, my understanding is that a portion of it can be forgiven. So can you explain what those parameters are as well? Yes. So the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, as I mentioned, builds on disaster loans, which have been around for a long time. They're they're the loans that when a hurricane or an earthquake or a fire devastates an area and it's declared a federal disaster area, then these loans are available at a very low interest rate to help businesses get back on their feet. And the, um, the government expanded them for the COVID crisis in March before the CARES Act passed. Uh, The 50 states got on board pretty quickly to make sure they were available in all 50 states. And it's a loan, it's it's the, the basic structure is that it's a loan. It's a loan for up to $2 million. 
It's at a very low interest rate, 3.75%, or if you're a nonprofit, 2.75%. can be repaid for up to 30 years, so this could be a very affordable repayment schedule, depending on what you get. And they come directly from the federal government. So unlike most SBA loans, where the SBA, the Small Business Administration, just guarantees the loan, but a lender makes it, in this case, this loan comes from the SBA. So you can only apply at the SBA and they're going to be making these loans. And that's really important, Monica, because we're already hearing from people who, one, might be confused. They're not sure about this loan versus the other loan. We're going to talk about the PPP loans. But they also have been scammed. So they've been scammed by people taking money to supposedly help them get these loans, which is not necessary at all. You can go directly to the SBA's website. It's very easy to fill out the application. A little confusing places, but very easy. It can take 20 minutes to apply. And then um, the money and the response and everything comes from the SBA. So I just want to throw that out there that don't pay people to you know expedite you to get to the front of the line. That doesn't work. It's not going to happen. But you mentioned specifically the $10,000 uh, grant or advance. And so this was part of the CARES Act where they said, hey, disaster loans take a while. We're getting so many applications. There's no way you know we're going to be able to get to everyone super quickly. So how can we get money into the hands of business owners faster? And what they did in the CARES Act is they built in this provision that if you apply for one of these loans, you are eligible to get an advance of up to $10,000 right away. Now, the legislation says three days after application. That has not happened, but I do know the SBA is trying to move as quickly as they can. But you actually give them your bank account information. And so the next step is for you to get an advance deposited into your bank account. And that money does not have to be repaid. So even if you get turned down for the idle, the disaster loan, even if you get turned down, you get to keep that money. Um, so that's an advantage. Now, a couple things have happened since that CARES Act passed. The first was, although we have not confirmed this directly with the headquarters of the SBA, there have been several communications that seem to indicate that they're going to base that advanced on the number of employees, basically $1,000 per employee. Again, I don't can't confirm this coming from directly from the SBA administrator, but we've seen you know enough information that looks like that's likely the case. So if you're a solopreneur, you don't have employees, you'd probably get a $1,000 advance. If you have multiple employees, let's say you have two employees plus yourself, then you may be eligible for a $3,000 advance. Uh, and that money doesn't have to be repaid. And then the next step after that is for someone at the SBA to calculate your economic injury and then offer you a loan. And I've also heard that initial loan amounts are probably going to be $15,000 up to $15,000 uh, in addition to whatever the advance is. So traditionally, disaster loans, the first disbursement is $25,000. In this case, the first one is going to be the grant or the advance plus $15,000. So it's not as much money as we initially thought, but then there is the opportunity, again, to borrow more just depending on how much funding is authorized for this program. Got it. Okay. So that's super helpful the way that you break that down. I, I really appreciate that. So going back to the number of employees, I know in the CARES Act, there were a few places where it referenced, and this might be specific to the PPP, but it referenced 
independent contractors. So for the disaster loan, would our independent contractors that we are paying on our team, would we be able to include them as our, you know, in our employee calculation? Yeah, that you don't. The disaster loan is measuring economic injury, and it doesn't necessarily. It's not tied the same way as the PPP loans to is to number of employees. So what they're looking at is they're looking at a, a comparable six month period last year. That when you fill out the application, you tell them what were your revenues last year. 2019, and what were your um, costs of goods sold, COGS? Now, for us, if you have a service-based business, which I know many people I talk to might be a freelance writer or a, a freelance consultant or you know an, an expert in their field, they might not have significant expenses, but you still should put in your operating expenses. So that might be things like you know you have to pay your internet subscription, you have to pay for your online advertising, you have to pay for um, you know the the social media tools that you use. And it could include, you know, folks that you are um, paying for work that they do. Then when you get the funds, you you have you you use those to basically keep your business going. So it's not really designed to cover lost sales, but it could cover your income. So you need to still pay yourself, right? So you could still use that money toward the money that you would normally be paying yourself. But then it also rolls into PPP, which we can talk about separately, so that um, so that you might also apply for PPP. You might get funded under that program and you might use it for the same expenses or different expenses, but you just can't double dip. So if you were going to use this loan to pay your own payroll and then you got the PPP loan, you would need to subtract out you know, what you got for that advance, what you're using for payroll, so you're not using the same Two, you can't use the same two. You can't use the two buckets of money for the same expense. Got it. So we can use them for the same purpose, just not for the same expense. So I can't pay myself from the disaster loan, but then also pay myself for that same time period from the PPP. Is that correct? You're not. Yeah, you're not. Um, I would use it for a separate purpose. I would use okay. if I got idle. I would use it for a separate purpose. But um, I actually don't have guidance on your specific question, which is if you use it for payroll after the PPP um, period. I don't know the answer to that question. So it's a great question, Monica. Okay, <laughs> you stumped me I know. on that one. <laughs> well, I know there are still a lot of uncertainties, and there's been a there lot are. of you know c- confusion with some details, and so that's why I'm you know excited for this conversation. So you can help to break down what we do know for sure. Yes, and I, I will give a tip, and that is if you get either of these sources of funding, whether it's PPP or IDLE, I would recommend you're very, very clear on your accounting and how you spend it. I mean, I've seen CPAs suggesting that you put it in a separate bank account so you can keep track of how you spend that money because there are re, there are permissible purposes, so to speak, for using these funds and um you're supposed to use them for certain types of expenses. So keep track of how you're spending that money. That's a great tip. I really, yeah, that's a great tip. I'm definitely going to be doing that because the up to $10,000 grant, that's just forgivable, correct? Did I understand that correctly? It's not even forgivable. It just doesn't okay. have to be repaid. It's just so it, it's automatically 
forgiven. I mean, it's it's money okay. that you do not have to pay back. And even if you don't qualify for IDLE, you can still keep the advance. Now, that doesn't mean you can use it for just anything. So I've seen threads on Reddit from you know Uber drivers are saying, well, I'm going to get the money and pay off my car. <laughs> the, there are some specific things that you're allowed to to cover, and it's basically working capital in your business. So you're supposed to be using this money to pay expenses your business needs to pay, but cannot pay due to the economic injury. So it's designed to fill in that gap until your business gets up and running again. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. Okay. So shifting gears for the PPP, how is that structured differently? And then if we qualify for the disaster loan, it sounds like we may also qualify for the PPP. Yeah, they're two separate applications, two separate qualification uh, procedures. So with PPP, this is called the Paycheck Protection Program Loan. And I think that is the most important thing to take away from this. This is not a loan necessarily to do everything that your business needs to keep running. It's to it's really to keep people paid, and that can include your employees as well as yourself. Now, this is where where you mentioned contractors. You apply based on your payroll, and payroll can include you if you pay yourself out of your business, and it can include any employees that you pay. But they did come out with guidance that said it does not include independent contractors. So if you hire independent contractors, you don't include what you pay them in your PPP calculation. You let them apply on their own. So the loan amount is two and a half times your average monthly payroll. So if you think about it, they're basically trying to help you keep that payroll going for another couple months. Since it's two and a half times and we're talking, what, what happens is you look, you, you keep the payroll going for eight weeks after you get the loan, you pay yourself, pay your employees, and then you can use a little bit of money for utilities, mortgage interest, or rent for your business. And then if you do that, then you apply to the lender and you ask to have it forgiven. And as long as you used it for the qualified purposes, they wipe it out. And in the meantime, you haven't had to make any payments because payments are deferred for six months under this program. So you basically get it, get this money from a lender, keep your payroll going, pay a few of these other expenses, ask for forgiveness. If you qualify, it gets wiped out. You're all good. If there's, if there's any uh, balance left over because maybe you don't qualify for the full forgiveness for some reason or another, then it's 1% interest for uh, up to two years to repay it. So if you have any balance left, you're going to pay 1% up to two years to repay that debt. So it's really, I, I hear Monica from businesses who maybe have very high rent expenses, for example, and they're like, well, rent is much more than even my payroll. Well, that's not really, that that type of scenario is more designed for the idle program than it is for PPP. PPP is really a paycheck protection program and that's what it's designed for. Yeah, that's my understanding is the goal is to help kind of mitigate or minimize the number of people who are being laid off during this time while many businesses are shut down. That's Um, right. So can we, so for our calculation, so for me, my entire team, 
everybody's an independent contractor. And so when I do my calculation, then I've been told that I would look at then my net income for 2019 and divide that by 12 and then times that by two and a half. Is that correct? Is that sounding like yeah, so so well the the so if you're if you're qualifying so there's a couple ways that business owners might pay themselves. You know, one is um I was self-employed for many years. I had an S corporation and I ran a certain salary through payroll where it was, you know, I withheld, had taxes withheld and unemployment insurance and everything else. I actually used a PEO, uh, like a, uh, what is it called? PPO. It's a partner that, you know, they, they do this for other businesses. And then I, then I also took money out of my business as distributions above that. And that was not subject to FICA tax. So that was additional. So, then there are the businesses where they run their income through a Schedule C, right? So you um, are paying yourself, but it flows through to your tax return on a Schedule C. Yes. Now, the the SBA at this moment in time has not come out with any more specific information in their official guidance about these scenarios, except that they have said a couple of things. And one is they said, when it comes to documenting payroll, you can use payroll processor records, payroll tax filings, form 1099 miscellaneous, or income and expenses from a sole proprietorship. So if you're running it through your Schedule C, then you're looking at your net income from your business is our understanding at this moment in time. At the same time, we did um, receive a forwarded email that someone got from the SBA that was saying that distributions and other similar income reported on the K-1 would not count toward uh, your payroll for calculation purposes here. So there are some ambiguities here that we just aren't exactly clear on. Um, what the what this email from uh, an SBA representative said was owner draws, distributions, and amount rec- amounts reported on K-1 are not eligible for the PPP program. So today is um, you know, Good Friday, so I don't think we're ex- we're going to expect much guidance, but hopefully next week we'll have a little more guidance because I know there is a lot of confusion for people who don't pay themselves through official, you know, payroll tax filings and and aren't sure what to include. But that's what we know at this point. So it's probably going to be based on the net income that you get from your business, then you divide by. 12, you multiply by two and a half, and that is likely to be the eligible amount that you can qualify for. And then you mentioned eight weeks from when you receive the loan is when you then need to use those funds, correct? In order for them to be forgiven. Yes. So the forgiveness is going to look at those eight weeks after you get the the funds. And again, the idea is to keep your employees and and hopefully you on the payroll and then uh, be eligible for forgiveness. So you do, I've gotten so many so many different variations of this question from business owners who might own a restaurant or something where employees have been laid off and uh, questions from 
folks who are getting unemployment, for example, and it does get very confusing, but it is, it's a very specific time frame. It's designed to sort of fill in the gap during this time period when so many people uh, can't go to work, aren't able to go to work, but we don't want to we don't want them to all be unemployed. And then when the economy does start to recover, we want them to be able to go back to their jobs, right? That's the ultimate goal of this is to help keep them on the payroll so they can go back to their jobs. And in the meantime, the government is going to basically pick up the tab for that payroll for those who qualify under this program. So then as we're using these funds, can we then use that for our independent contractors to pay them? Well, um, you could, but I, well, I'm not even sure you, you're supposed to because there are prescribed reasons you're supposed to use it. But remember, they won't qualify towards your forgiveness. So um, the 10, any 1099 contractors are supposed to go to PPP and apply themselves. So that really is not designed for you to cover that. It may be a, you may be able to still pay them under idle. Actually, again, that's a question I haven't been asked, so I don't know the answer, but I'll look at, I'll, I'll see if I can find any information on it. But you would not, you basically just exclude the independent contractors, 1099 folks for purposes of PPP and just focus on anybody who is paid directly by the company or yourself or through payroll. I see. And then just clearly document so that when it comes time to ask for forgiveness, um, then you can clearly show that you use those funds for those qualifying purposes. Yes. And up to 25%, according to the guidance, up to 25% of those funds could go for those other expenses that I mentioned, um, utilities. Uh, it does say that utilities include electricity, gas, water, transportation, telephone, or internet, uh, as long as it began before February 15th for mortgage interest, but not mortgage principal, and then rent for your business. So I talked to a CPA who said he presumed that that could probably include home office deductions. It's not spelled out in any guidance at this point, so we can't say specifically. But if you think about the intent of the legislation, you know, they want you to work. And if you can't work from your home office, you can't work, right? So the intent of the legislation would seem to indicate that those, those expenses could include home office expenses for businesses that need to work from home. Got it. And then do we have any guidance or do we know yet what that forgiveness process is going to look like? And um, I believe you mentioned we go, do we go to the bank to ask for this forgiveness or do we go to the SBA for this? No, that's a great question. You're actually going to go to your lender and uh, you will ask, you will have a form to fill out and then they will have up to 60 days to respond to your request for forgiveness. So it's a lot of work on the part of the banks. I mean, first is the application process that's already pretty confusing. And then there is the forgiveness uh, process that comes on the back end. But hopefully there will be some time for the lenders to catch their breath between those two timeframes so that they can process those uh, forgiveness applications uh, pretty, pretty quickly. And then just to reiterate, if there's a portion that is not fully forgiven, then it's a 1% loan maximum, correct? And we have up to two years to pay that off. Correct. Yes. Yes. And no payments for the first six months after you get the loan. So again, hopefully that means you never make a payment on this loan. And so we are talking on Friday, April 10th 
Um, can you explain the two timeframes? I mean, here we are on the 10th. I was told that if you um, are a corporation, you can apply starting on April 3rd, but independent contractors, sole proprietors need to wait until April 10th. Is, is that true? Yes, that is what the uh, Treasury and the SBA indicated. You are correct. It's interesting that they chose a federal holiday. I think Good Friday is a federal holiday to do that. Uh, so we have not seen any new guidance come out. Of course, some banks are closed today. Uh, so we don't know how many uh, banks and lenders are in a position to actually process those applications yet. And the other thing I would point out is that, although it feels unfair, it makes sense from just a a logical standpoint from the lenders that a lot of the banks and lenders making these loans are prioritizing their existing customers first, and some are prioritizing larger customers with larger loan amounts and and, uh, even existing lending relationships. And there is some sense to that in the fact that they do need to try to avoid making loans to fraudulent entities. And when they already have a relationship with you, they already have certain documentation to, you know, to indicate that you're, you're a business, right? You have a business bank account with them. You've already filled out certain paperwork that's required for them to know their customers. So it is easier for them to tackle those customers first. And then of course it probably is, well, it's certainly more, more financially lucrative, but also probably easier for them to take a large, you know, disperse a large loan as opposed to 20 small loans. So there's a lot of patience that's going to be required, but at the same time, you want to get your application in because there there are limited funds for this program. We anticipate Congress is going to allocate more, and I, I, I feel pretty confident that's going to happen, but we can't guarantee it. So I am, you know, I'm, I'm trying to encourage business owners to apply for both if they think they may qualify and, uh, you know, get their, get their name in, on that list so that as this process hopefully speeds up, they will be able to move closer to the front of the line. And maybe we should have started, the, or started with this question, but my understanding is when you apply, then you need to certify that your business has been impacted in some way due to the coronavirus pandemic. So do you have examples? I mean, I do know some businesses that I know of are still going well and even you know seeing an increase in sales during this time, but I definitely know businesses that have been directly impacted. Um, so is can you kind of speak to that a little bit about what might, uh, you know, qualify as being impacted by this? Yeah. So uh, my understanding is that it's pretty well recognized that there's not going to be many businesses that don't, that aren't impacted, you know, by this COVID crisis. I would certainly talk to your lender to make sure that you clarify, you know, their policy regarding this. But generally, even if your business, I would say that even for businesses that are doing well right now, they may there may be clients down, you know, that, they, that owe the money or next month it could change. I mean, how many businesses have we seen where in a matter of a couple of weeks, things have drastically changed simply because of what's going on in the economic climate right now? So I think there's a fairly broad acknowledgement that, but at the same time, you do not have to apply until what's June 30th, I think 2020. So there is still time. So if your business has not been yet impacted, you don't see any impact coming down the road. 
you can hold off until you see some impact and then you could um, apply and provide it that they've extended the amount of funding available, then you may get funding then. That's, yeah, I think that's important to point out because what, I mean, there is a lot of economic uncertainty with, you know, with so many people being unemployed and, you know, those numbers seem to be growing week, you know, week after week that there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, coming for the next couple of months. And so if your business hasn't seemed to be impacted yet, it might still be impacted. So this might still be something that you want to pay attention to. So that's yes, good that keep we an eye on June 30th. It. Yes. Um, but as you said, there are limited funds for this. So if the funds run out before June 30th, um, and even if the, the government does add more to this program, more funding to this program, you still want to make sure that you're kind of following the status and applying before it's too late if you do think this is something that you're going to take advantage of. Yes. And we may see additional relief programs too. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, other small business relief programs. I know that uh, there's a big concern that many very small businesses really need grants, not loans. And the the idle advance or grant, while it has great intentions, at the moment it appears, you know, it might be limited, especially for a smaller business without many employees, one or $2,000 which may not be enough fast enough for, for to meet their needs in terms of paying their bills and, and rent and utilities and everything else. So hopefully we're going to see more uh, additional stimulus to small business owners because the idea is let's get through this. Hopefully it won't be too long. And then once we do, let's position as many businesses as we can to recover and, you know, and for the economy to start moving forward. We certainly want to lose as few businesses as possible during the crisis because those, those businesses may not start up again after. Right. And so going back to the conversation about where you can apply. So you want to go for the, for the disaster loan, the EIDL, EIDL um, loan, you go to the SBA directly yes. to apply there. Yes. But for the Paycheck Protection Program, that's where you can go to your bank that you already have a relationship with, or you really have the opportunity to go to any other bank. Is that is that true? Correct. So I, I'm generally, as of this moment, recommending you start with your bank where you have an existing relationship. I do know some banks have halted taking some applications um, for processing issues, for staffing issues, for other reasons, and not all banks are participating. You could also, the SBA does have a, a website where on sba.gov where you can find lenders in your area who are authorized to make these loans. And then um, marketplaces like NAV were partnering with lenders to help match borrowers to, um, to lenders that are looking to make loans of their type. So whether it's a geographic area or loan size or whatever it may be, we, we realize and we've seen, we've seen so, so many people coming to our site that are saying, hey, I can't get a loan through my bank for whatever reason. I they want me to have a lending relationship or they've closed it, whatever. So we're um, working to partner. We do have a couple partners already and then we're working to add more so we can match borrowers to those lenders. Yeah. And that's great. I, I saw on your homepage right there. I mean, there's, it's very obvious where you can click to find out more information and get help from NAV. And I know that you guys have a lot of resources and articles um, about all of this and you're keeping those updated. So I'll definitely, I'd love to share some of those in the show notes as well. 
Thank you. Yes, I'm uh, almost every day and they're making <laughs> making updates to whatever the latest news is. So So is there anything else that we should be talking about? I mean, with businesses, either with these programs or just what businesses can do to kind of prepare for the uncertainty that's still coming? Yeah, sure. So the other thing is check out unemployment because we do have this enhanced unemployment that is available for the first time to independent contractors and gig workers. Um, The federal government is pitching in $600 a week toward this program on top of whatever state benefits you may qualify for. Now, it's very hit or miss depending on the state you're in because, again, most states weren't set up to handle this kind of volume either. But that may be a source of uh, income for your business if your business is really you know, either dropped or ground to a halt. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have no business whatsoever. You don't have any clients. It could be a drop in business. You may be eligible for this unemployment as well. So I would say the unemployment is uh, often the first thing you want to do, and you may have to be very persistent depending on your state, and then check into both idle and PPP. And again, you can apply for both idle and PPP. If you get an idle advance at you uh, and you use it say you want to use it for payroll you can you can have that subtracted out of the forgiven amount for PPP so it's not doesn't have to be an either or you can also refinance an idle loan into PPP um, but that may or may not make sense depending on the amount the loan amount and how long you want to take to pay it back so um, there's a there's some flexibility here, and we'll just have to keep monitoring to see how fast these fl- funds actually start flowing. So going back to the unemployment, you mentioned that that is expanded to, or enhanced, you said, uh, to include independent contractors or gig workers. So if we know of independent contractors who have lost their clients, um, freelancers, I assume would be included in this, um, then how do they go about applying or starting that process? They would go to their state unemployment agency. So for the unemployment, you don't go directly to the federal government. Even though the federal government is pitching in the $600, you go to your state unemployment. And uh, some are better than others. They're trying to play catch up, especially with this you know, additional federal money that's coming through. And some state unemployment has not been set up in the past, right, for someone who is a gig worker or self-employed. So it depending on your state, it depends on what kind of experience you have. But I literally suggest that you go, if, if you're having trouble in applying or getting through to someone who can help you apply, that you go every single day. I know I'm in Florida and they just, I think yesterday, launched a brand new portal to apply for unemployment because the old one was crashing constantly. People couldn't get through. People couldn't get on. And so they had to update that and they just did that this week. So be, be persistent, I would say but also have a little bit of element of patience, which is so hard to say because I know for some people, they're having trouble paying their rent or their you know, utilities or they're putting food on the table. So I understand that completely. But at the same time, we don't have clear answers in many cases on exactly you know, when this money will be available. But I, I can see Monica from people I talk to that they're so frantic and worried that the money's going to run out and then they don't realize that the the numbers they're seeing in the news about how many loans is really applications and volume. It's not necessarily people have actually gotten funding through these programs. So there's a lot of numbers out there that 
if you don't look very carefully, could make it seem like this entire fund has already been wiped out and you're out of luck. Um, and also something that I saw from my governor, so you mentioned you're in the state of Florida, I'm in the state of Washington, and our governor announced the other day that the state of Washington is starting some kind of, I don't know what phrasing he's using, but some kind of program for small business owners to kind of help during this time. So that's something that I'm going to look into and I encourage everybody to pay attention to what your own state might, you know, what kind of programs your own state might be rolling out as well. Yes, absolutely. In Florida, we have an emergency bridge loan, uh, 0%, up to $75,000 for a year for uh, small businesses. So there are state programs that may be able to help as well. Awesome. Anything else before I let you go, Jerry? This has been truly, I mean, just wonderful information. I really appreciate you clearly breaking all of this down. Yeah, my uh, the only thing I can say is I I you know I hope very very much that your business is able to get the funding that it needs to keep going. You know we're we're all trying to support each other in this time, and uh, hopefully at least one of these programs will help you you know get through this, and and uh, you'll come out uh, come out on the other end uh, stronger than before. Wonderful, thank you. And so, where can people find out more about you and Nav? Can you please let us know? Sure. It's just nav, N is in Nancy, A is in Apple, V is in Victor, nav.com. And if you go right to the homepage, you'll see our resources. We do have a, uh, a PPP loan calculator. Uh, you don't have to obligate yourself to finding a loan through nav by using that, but it will help you get, calculate it. And it can be useful for newer businesses as well as seasonal businesses because there are some different calculations that can be used for alternative scenarios if your business was not is not a usual round-the-year business that was in business, you know, uh, for the past 12 months, there are some alternative calculations you can use there. Wonderful. That's a great resource. So we'll link to all of that in the show notes, um, plus some relevant articles that I know you, you have there that'll be helpful. So thank you so much for your time. And again, breaking this all down very clearly, I know that it's been kind of hard to keep on top of as things have been changing. So we definitely encourage people to, you know, kind of stay on on top of what does change and what new might be coming down the pike. As you mentioned, things might be changing um, in the weeks to come. But this is the information that we know now, and I so appreciate your generosity with this. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Monica. Wasn't that a helpful interview? I really appreciate the way that Jerry clearly laid everything all out for us. And I want to give a huge thank you once again to Jerry for coming on the podcast and sharing all of her insights with us. I hope that this helped to clear up the differences between IDLE and the PPP, and I hope you have some clarity on which program or programs might be able to help your business right now. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, so please share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 50, or you can DM me on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica. Also in the show notes, I'm sharing multiple resources about IDLE and the PPP, including a CARES Act SBA loan calculator and an article from my friend, Philip Taylor, also known as PT. He's the founder of FinCon, which is one of my most favorite conferences, and he has been documenting his experience and learnings regarding the Paycheck Protection Program on his blog, and he's keeping that article updated. So it's a tremendous resource. I will be sure to put all the links and resources that we mentioned today in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 50. All right. And before we wrap up, I would love to tell you about my brand new program that I've been hinting at. It is called 
the fast pass to Facebook ads. And this is your fast track to an agency quality campaign without the agency fee. So as you know, I run a successful Facebook and Instagram ads agency where my team and I manage ads. We create ads and manage them for our clients in the ads manager. So we brainstorm everything and then we set them up and we manage them for our clients. And I realized that there's this gap in what I offer when it comes to my course, my online training program, Flourish with Facebook ads, where somebody might be wanting to implement a Facebook ad strategy, but they might not have the time to go through a course, or maybe they bought a course, maybe they even bought Flourish, and they have been putting it off, haven't really dove in. I know sometimes it can take a while to implement courses that we purchase. We might get distracted with something. So during this time, I came up with this idea because I realized that there are so many ways that we can inject some rocket fuel into our business. And of course, Facebook ads is one of those great ways that we can get a campaign up and running and promote our offer in front of more people. And we can do it fairly quickly, but maybe you don't want to take the time to go through a course and figure it out all on your own. So that's where this idea for fast pass to Facebook ads came about where I'm kind of merging the best of both worlds. So you're going to learn how to run Facebook ads yourself, but you're also going to get the agency quality that comes with my team helping plan the campaign. So here's what it looks like. You're going to get a complete ads plan with hands-on help from me to launch your Facebook ad campaign. So my team is going to create a complete ads plan that includes targeting suggestions. So we are going to tell you exactly who to show your ad to when you're creating your campaign. Plus we're going to put together ad mock-ups so you can see exactly what your ads are going to look like. We're going to brainstorm your ads for you. So we will put together three versions of ad copy written by my team of copywriting geniuses. I gotta say, my team is really good. And we're also going to create an asset library of images, graphics, or GIFs, whatever we think is going to work best for your offer created by our graphic designer. And you can keep those assets forever, repurpose however you like. Plus, if we think that a video ad might work well for your campaign, then we will also make suggestions when it comes to your video. So we are going to create the ads plan for you And then after we do that, you and I will have a private campaign launch party via Zoom. We will keep our social distancing, but we will have this launch party via Zoom where I will present to you the ads plan that my team and I have come up with. We'll go through it together, make sure it works for your offer. You feel good about it. We'll do any, you know, slight editing to the copy as needed. And then I will teach you how to create the campaign in the ads manager. So if you want to learn how to run Facebook ads and maybe you've stepped foot into the ads manager, but got completely overwhelmed because there are just so many options. You're not really sure if you're doing it right. I will walk you through it all by the end of our launch party. This is why it's called a launch party. By the end of our launch party, you will be hitting publish on your campaign. And then we will finish up our launch party talking about next steps because it doesn't stop there. When you set up your campaign, then you need to know how to optimize that campaign, how to test it so that over time you can 
lower your costs and increase your results. So I will help you figure out what your next steps are, what to test next, exactly when to make adjustments to the campaign if needed. Plus, as we wrap up the call, we will do a virtual cheers. I will probably have my big mug of coffee and you can have whatever drink you want to accompany you. And we will do a virtual cheers. We'll sign off. And then my team and I will send over everything that we put together. So you will we'll send over all the assets. Plus we will send over your specific strategy guide, your personalized strategy guide for next steps. So you'll know exactly what next steps to take in managing your campaign. And I want to make sure that you have all of the support and the feedback that you need going forward, because I don't want you to feel alone. I don't want you to hit publish on your campaign and then feel like you're all in this alone. So as a free bonus, I will enroll you in my program, Flourish with Facebook Ads. So you can reference the course. You'll have all the documentation, everything in there and all future updates whenever you need to revisit anything that we may have gone over. Plus, you'll get the recording of our calls so you can reference that as well. Plus, we'll enroll you as a VIP member in the program, which means that you will get the ongoing support and the group coaching as well. So with that, we have a Facebook group mastermind. We have group coaching calls twice a month. We meet on Zoom and that's where I can help you dive into your campaign and talk through your ad copy, images, landing pages, whatever you need. I always love to help my students with their next steps so they can improve their costs and increase their results. And so you'll get the ongoing support of the Flourish VIP program. Plus we'll send everything to you. And with the Flourish VIP program, if you do feel like you want another session with me, another private session, then we have uh, discounted coaching packages for my students as well. So you are going to get everything you need to hit publish. Let's not put it off any longer. You're going to get it all and it's all with the fast pass to Facebook ads. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to monicalouie.com slash fast pass. And I am limiting because this is such a high touch offer where it's going to take multiple resources. It's going to take my team's resource, my time. And so we are limiting the number of people that we are going to be working with as we roll out the program. We're capping it at five because we want to make sure that we keep our quality standards high and that we're able to focus on your campaign and that I'm able to give you the time that you need. So we're capping it at five for right now as we launch this program. And so those spots, I'm totally expecting those to be taken very quickly. So if this is something that sounds good to you, where you just want to bridge the gap, you want to hit publish, and you want my team of Facebook ad rock stars to help you create your campaign and you'd love my support and training along the way. I would love to work with you. Please reach out at monicalouie.com slash fast pass. There we have a form where you can fill out some information about what you want to use Facebook ads for in your business, what your offer is. And this also works for Instagram ads. So if you know that your audience is on Instagram for sure, and you want to do Facebook and Instagram or just one platform or the other, this will work for both platforms. So you can go to monicalouie.com slash fastpass, fill out the form, and then my team will reach out with any additional questions and we'll get you going to hand you your fast pass to Facebook ads. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining Jerry and me today. I hope that you found this interview helpful. As I mentioned, just a reminder, we'll have all the links and resources in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 50, including that URL to the FastPass program. So if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It really helps the podcast to be found. So subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out because I've got a whole bunch more amazing episodes in the pipeline. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got not one, but two special guests heading your way. This is a fantastic interview. I can't wait to share it with you. So subscribe so you don't miss it. Join me next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Thank you so much. Take care and stay healthy. 